Ladies and gentlemen, mech warriors and mech fans from around the inner sphere, welcome to another Faction Play Roundtable. I'm Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil, and I will be your host. Tonight, you, the community, through player representatives, your own forum and other social media posts, and Twitch live chat. That's right, you guys out in chat right there. You get to share your thoughts and feedback regarding the ongoing development and improvements to the MWO Faction Play experience directly with Russ Bullock, President, and Derek James, Designer at Piranha Games. As with the previous Faction Play Roundtable, where almost all of the community requested changes that were brought to the table were implemented in the recent December patch, such as the Unified Clan versus Inner Sphere Front, the introduction of a new tug-of-war system, the replacement of Long Tom Artillery with a radar jammer, the integration of quick play game modes into faction play, new support for special faction play events, and more. Russ and Derek will be listening and responding to as many of the suggestions as possible, with tonight's focus on what is being brought forward by the player representatives. This is important. This does not mean that other suggestions or viewpoints are being ignored, as we've been monitoring and taking notes from the MWO forums, Reddit, Twitter messages, and other uh, various formats, and we're currently doing the same right now with Twitch live chat. The design team will then take all of the information gathered into follow-up meetings and discuss them point by point in order of priority as represented by the community in all previously mentioned formats and determine which items are possible, desirable, and can be implemented in the near future. These changes, including those already released in the December patch, are all part of Faction Play Phase 4.1, signaling the start of a new development phase and to stress that this is only the beginning of future roundtables, updates, and improvements planned for Faction Play as we renew its focus with your help in 2017. A big thank you to all that have, are, and are going to participate in this ongoing process. And now, let's get started. Uh, first, I'd like to say hi to Russ and Derek. Russ, how are you doing tonight? Really good. Thanks for hosting this again, and thanks for everyone who came to participate. Absolutely. So what are your feelings so far, Russ, with the changes that came in December and the ongoing development of Phase 4.1? Uh, I think um, I think we're probably. Uh, I did, I'm trying. I'm struggling with the answer just because. On the one hand, I think it's worked out really, really well, and I think it's probably um, landed with a lot of success. And but the, you know, there's still some things that we're dealing with. Like we're still you know dealing with ongoing clan versus IS type of balance items. Um, in particular, how players shift from one side to the other, and those are very difficult things to balance. So we still have our challenges, but I guess I'm, I'm overall I'm really happy because I think what I said last year when we were focused on faction play, it says we, we don't feel like we've gotten to a spot where we can work from. Like, But I think faction play 4.1 has put us in a position finally where we can say, okay, we can, you know, we can work from here, we can build from here. So that's very... Uh, very promising and that's what's exciting about i guess moving forward from here because it doesn't feel like we're now trying to step back out and create a new a totally new system or something that we can uh try to build off of i think we have that core now we can we can kind of you know build from this point so all in all i'm I'm really happy about that a solid foundation to move forward with here in 2017 awesome um and derek how are you i'm very good thanks Welcome back. It was good to have you before and again. Um, only question for you is, uh, from a designer standpoint, how has the experience of the last 
faction play roundtable for you and then implementing those or so, at least you know most of the suggestions over the recent months uh yeah it's been super helpful just to have kind of a direct line with the players themselves to figure out uh what's working and what's not and um like russ said i think we're pretty happy with the the baseline foundation where it is uh i've been playing non-stop you know day in and day out since the update came out and um i think right now we're in a good spot to kind of keep moving forward from the groundwork we've laid down yeah, I mean, I'm feeling the same way. I've been playing a lot. I did, uh, you know, spread my experience out over uh, solo queue, which was kind of the first time really jumping into solo queue for me, and then uh, also doing some group. And I feel pretty much the same thing that there's a great foundation now um, that we can build on, and of course that is the uh, the the point and the purpose for these ongoing roundtables and updates to faction play uh, phase four point one is just to make it better and better. So. We're going to move on into that. Uh, Russ, before I introduce tonight's uh, representatives, is there anything else you want to add before we get started? Or I just don't want to uh, jump no, in I if mean, you're not ready. I'm interested to hear what they have to say. I mean, Derek and I do have a little bit of uh, news we can share. On well, it's, it's not even entirely new. You guys have heard of this feature before. But um, I, I know that's going to come up tonight, especially when we talk about uh, loyalists and things like that. So we've got cool. some stuff to share, but I think this time there's going to be a lot less um, of us and, and a lot more of, of listening to what the, you know those that have come here prepared to speak have to say. Excellent. Then let's move on and meet our community representatives for, and I want to emphasize this, for tonight's meeting. Um, you know, uh, basically each meeting the the representatives are selected in a certain way and and we're trying to you know branch out and get as many different people as we can but especially people that are you know standing up and doing things in the community to make themselves available and and a part of this conversation so my point is next meeting could be different people uh maybe you know some that were in the last meeting etc but we did try and keep the numbers down this time we have three people tonight we are joined by xavier mech the dane and spider 00x so what i'm going to do is go one by one and allow them to introduce themselves. This is just going to be a brief introduction. Um, let us know what unit they're from, if they are, and briefly tell us how they represent the community in faction warfare. In other words, you know, clans, intersphere, mercs, loyalists, solo, group drops, etc. And yes, of course, we understand, we do know, we are aware that not every viewpoint or, uh, or even, you know, 90% of them or whatever are represented here. But like I mentioned before, we are monitoring all other formats of com- communication and taking everything into account. So if you're making forum posts, if you're on Reddit, we are seeing it, we are reading it, we are copying that information down. And uh, we appreciate everybody out there that is participating in helping uh, move this forward. So, uh, Xavier, why don't we go ahead and start with you if you want to give us a brief introduction. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Xavier from Merkstar. We've played uh, Mercenary basically the entire time that faction warfare really has existed kind of bounced around seen a lot of experiences intersphere and clan um just kind of going wherever we can get games um kind of trying to be a filler here and there excellent um people are asking about loyalists in chat mech the dane you want to tell us about yourself yes i do i am uh i'm mech the dane I am a loyalist with the Free Razzlehog Republic. I lead the uh, competitive unit, the Isengrim, but I also manage and, and run and own the uh, the FRR TeamSpeak Hub and the Karita TeamSpeak Hub, 
and I'm basically the the leader of the Free Razzlehog Republic. Um, so even though my interactions with my unit are competitive, I interact with the entire Free Razzlehog Republic community on a daily basis, and uh, the Karita community as well, since I run their hubs well. Excellent. And you did just recently have the uh, Operation Great Dane, uh, a, a cool event um, with Faction Play. So I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about that uh, tonight when you get more you know, deeper into the topics that we're going to be discussing. Um, and, and so, yeah, we do not have uh, a clan loyalist represented tonight. But like I said, guys, just speak up in the, uh, the threads that are out there, Reddit forums, etc., and the clan loyalist position will be represented as well. It's not; it wasn't a slight because we don't like the clans, um, but uh, you know, just the way it worked out. And our third and final guest tonight, uh, community representative, is Spider Zero Zero X. I'm going to call you Spider from now on, if you don't mind. Well, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Spider. <laughs> let's hear about you. Uh, my name is Spider Zero Zero X or Spider. Uh, I run a comp team of mercenaries, formerly of PKRL. Uh, some of you guys might have known the tag. We were Steiner loyalists for like the longest time. I think uh, I'm probably a bridge between what Mech, what where Mech, Mech the Dane is and where Xavier is. We were loyalists for about a full year. Most of my guys are ranked 20. Um, and we went mercenary about four months ago in attempt to seek matches and more competitive matches. Um, yeah, we're a CW team. We have them from the start. We uh, We exist to play CW. That's it. I mean, quick play has always been kind of in the background for us. And uh, we play competitively. We play every day. Uh, we're a smaller unit, very focused um, in that vein. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you being here. Of course, uh, CW, Community Warfare, same as Faction Play. Um, so, awesome. Thank you, guys. So, let's get started. Um, Xavier, are you cool going first? Yeah, I'll start with um, I'll start out here, and then okay. anyone can chime in if they have uh, interjection points. So, just um, to let everybody know in chat, just real quick, sorry, uh, Xavier. Um, what we're going to do is Xavier. Well, basically, there was a pre-meeting, a pre-roundtable meeting on Tuesday night, uh, this last Tuesday, um, where you know some of these. Well, everybody that was here is here now was there, as well as other people in the community. Yes, I understand that it wasn't. Uh, not everybody was represented there. Again, everything I said previously still counts. But uh, they did had a great three hour meeting. Brought up a lot of topics about faction play. A lot of different um, you know positions represented with the people that were both uh, on the actual stream and chatting as well as in chat. And uh, so while it doesn't represent everybody, it's I think it's a good uh, chunk of representation, and it will be good to hear what they have to say. So what we're going to do is Xavier is going to go ahead and kind of go point by point with a few of their the most important things that came out of that discussion. Um, there will be back and forth discussion with uh, Russ and Derek, as well as the other panelists. And then once um, we've you know, basically discussed everything Xavier brought up, we'll move on to Mech the Dane and, and Spider and, and keep going. And then we'll just see how uh, long that goes and, and what we'll do at the tail end of tonight's meeting. So without further ado, Xavier, let's hear it. All right. So when we had our pre-meeting on Tuesday, it was really our goal to come down to like the top three to five ideas based upon where faction play is at right now that were the most actionable, biggest bang for the buck things that could be um, a, a spoken about uh, at this meeting. And the thing, the item that came up more than anyone else, and it was a unanimous decision as being the most uh, controversial or pain, uh, the largest pain point for a lot of people. And it comes down to 
like drop zone placement, um, specifically uh, certain maps, um, certain drop zones being isolated uh, from the rest of their team and how easy it is to isolate reinforcements. Um, the, the most notable uh, example we go back to would be uh, like Tourmaline uh, Desert. There's a, there's spawn points in Echo 3, Delta 5, Echo 7, Echo 8. The uh, Echo 3 spawn point on the ridge is very isolated. Uh, and based upon where these spawn points are, you only end up fighting on about really 20% of the map because of how close the spawn points are. And it was the community's opinion that what, we're, what we were really kind of thinking the fix for drop zone selection is not just move the drop zones, but actually allow some sort of drop zone selection feature so that much the similar way you you select your mech to next drop in, after you would make a mech selection, you would actually then pick a drop zone to land at, which will actually add uh, a couple things. One, it'll add protection from spawn camping because you can spawn on an opposite side of the map from where a current power position is being held by the opposing team. Uh, you can perform um, flanking reinforcement maneuvers, uh, another depth of play to the game. Um as well as the fact of it, it, it just it, it adds a different layer of, ob- of objectives where the dominating team or the controlling team must also think about uh, where potentially enemies can drop, how they need to move to protect an objective if they drop somewhere else, um, as well as being, like I said, a, a giant protection from the actual spawn camping or domination by a certain unit in a certain area of the map. That was unanimously across the board everyone agreed the current biggest issue with the game in general right uh as far as faction play plays right now all right uh russ you got any yeah i mean okay so this is um we're gonna have to uh talk this out together just to make sure that we really understand what the ask is and um i won't be perfect at identifying all the trip ups or, or technical problems with implementing a feature like this. But between Derek and I, I think we can come pretty close. So first off, it'd be a couple questions to make sure I understand exactly how you guys would prefer it to behave. So first off, of course, as far as spawn points, <coughs> excuse me. Um, we, uh, that, that would, that, I mean, just shifting them, of course, is, is a minor it's a minor fix, but it's something that is very difficult for us to get, I guess, perfect without all the player feedback and such uh, right off the gate. So, you know, we could easily on the forums, of course, set up um, a top-down map type of, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a voting system, whatever, but some type of system that Tina could work out where uh, we could tweak all the, you know, drop ship spawn points and easily make those a part of a future patch. Now, going to the next step, selectable draw, draw points. Uh, this is something, of course, that we've we thought about. I mean, even before the initial, the original version of Community Warfare launched, we were, you know, thinking or wondering about this. So it's it's something we've thought about a lot. But right now, so just let's ask some questions to make sure I understand what you guys want. Right now, the way the system works is, the Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie dropships have specific spots. And if you're part of Alpha Lance, you're always going to go in the Alpha dropship to the Alpha drop zone. 
So I guess the first question would be, how would you see the selecting of the drop point being done? Is it preset drop points, multiple preset drop points where the alpha dropship, for example, could go, and you would tell which one of those preset places to go? That is one level. Another level entirely is selecting anywhere for the alpha dropship to go. And then another level, even on top of that, is saying, I know I'm in Charlie Lance, but I'd like to drop over here where the alpha... So there's a lot of questions there. Once you run me through how you think it would work, because there's, there's some aspects of this that's, oh, that's not so bad. We could think about do that. And then there's other ways you might come up with that's like, wow, that's, you know, that's really hard. That gets really complicated. And, you know, how do we figure that out if you want to drop there? And that's where the Charlie dropship goes and things like that. So tell me how you what you guys would ideally like to see. Okay, so um, yeah, I'll take it here real quick. So the conversation we had, we're not really looking to be able to drop anywhere on the map, so to speak. So being able to pick a specific spot on the map, the community was okay with being able to select from preset drop zones. So let's say you die, you go to the mech select screen, you select your mech, and then you're presented with a little mini-map that gives you three choices for the three defined drop zones, Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie. You would get to pick from one of those, and it would be really up to your you know, your drop commander, whoever's leading you, telling you which drop zone to go to based upon group tactics, strategy, how he wanted to use you. If you were getting spawned, it could be protective. So that's kind of how we were thinking about it working. Um, basically picking from a, one of the three preset areas that was dispersed across the map. So first oh. off, I mean, Alpha Bravo and Charlie drop points. The way the system works currently is, as you know, at, at a certain clock down, uh, tick down. Sorry, once in a while I'll drop my mic so I can cough. I'm still carrying a cough. Um, but they all come at the same time, you know, every 60 seconds or whatever it is. So... If you were to say, hey, we want to drop at the Charlie spawn point, and the other guys also said that, then you'd collide with each other. So um, obviously that would require further tweaking. Another thought on that is, so right now you have Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie spawn point, and there's one for each. Uh, what if Alpha, like each Lance had, say, three different spawn points, three different places where the dropship could fly almost say, progressively further up the map. I see that has additional problems with balancing because a strong team might just say, yeah, let's just jump all the way up to that front one right at the get-go and just jump right in and mess these guys up. So anyhow, but I think my, my comment to your comment was, um, I don't know, we'd have to change, obviously, the way the dropships come in because if more than one dropship selected this, um, the same spawn point, they'd, they'd try to fly in and smash into each other as it currently stands. So I, so I could understand that, and then I'll, I'll let Spider chime in here real quick. Um, so just to be clear, the, the spawn points would not actually be an initial selection. It would only be for all recurring drops. So your initial drop would be defined by the, the game. So you couldn't, so we wouldn't actually expect to see players jump aggressively forward based upon a game mode or game type. It would only be for respawn actions. Which sure, still could potentially still have that bump, conflict. They still slam into each other, though, right? Yeah. 
there could uh, be some kind of time, you know, queue or something, queue system. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, but you want all your guys <laughs> to come in at the same time so you can create a, you know, right. a, a, exactly. push, a wave kind of thing. But Spider, did you have a comment? Yeah, so basically, I mean, like, you know, the, the idea here is, like, you're not just throwing guys at the wolves. Because, I mean, right now in CW, we're already, we're already having our drop commander move guys around to different lands to avoid being farmed. It's not necessarily the placement of the drop zones. It's just about, like, we're all spawning at the same place. Because on like, maps, like, right now, like, in Forest Colony or... I was still a bad map with it. Grim. Uh, Sometimes, like, guys are way off by themselves, and it takes a minute to get the rest of your team. You're getting farmed out. So what Xavier's saying is, at the same time you have to select your mech, you instead of the drop commander having to do it for you manually, which is a pain, like you can choose where to be dropped. It's like you saying, "Hey, drop pilot, take me to this landing zone, whatever, whatever." I mean, I'm not sure the you know the technical logistics of it or whatever, but that's basically not. No one's going to just drop you into you know a team of guys farming you out, and unfortunately. Whenever you have a game that has respawns, spawn camping is just a fact of life if the other team is still up and running around. So it's never going to be 100% perfect, but at least this way we can kind of like hedge the bet of whether you're going to get completely, you know, overrun. And so, one team starts running to one place, we can just spawn away from that, that mob of guys and have an equal footing in terms of a re-engagement. So he brought up uh, Forest Colony. Forest Colony is actually another perfect example. There's a spawn point out in like K10, K11, way out in the water, which is – it's like 800 meters from the nearest team spawn, and most engagements on that map occur on the beach side anyways – that lance out there more often than not is usually isolated and significantly farmed out um, more so than anyone else. And getting them out of a wave sync drop with their teammates generally means that the last wave or the last two waves of a fight is generally 12v8 um, as opposed to most 12v12 battles simply because of how isolated the spawn points are. Now, okay, but I want to um, interject real quick. Let's okay. let's try to separate the subjects out because, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, but regardless of whether or not a player-selectable spawn point system can be designed it's not you're probably you're probably going to want to tweak some of these spawn point locations anyhow correct that's a, that's a well, part of it well I mean, well maybe degree. maybe maybe not and, and here's why i say that because if you could drop six seven eight mechs at the same point at the same time even if it's isolated but there's an engagement occurring in that section of the map that actually becomes a strategic like like a depth of gameplay added that the drop commander can take, you know, advantage of. They know that there's a bunch of damaged mechs near that drop zone. They may want to drop near that drop zone and just overwhelm the remaining forces that are there and maybe save a few of the mechs from the previous wave. So you may not want to drop there. You may want to drop there, depending upon how many mechs you're dropping and whether or not the drop commander sees it as advantageous. It's just another layer of gameplay. It's established some things I think we all agree on. A leopard class dropship holds four. It's not going to hold any more than that. The way the spawn points, which can be adjusted, but the kind of the our attempt at minimizing um, spawn camping with our with the wall structures, um, it's designed for like basically one mech or one dropship rather to drop all of its mechs off. So, if you were to try to drop six mechs off over there or eight mechs off over there, 
you'd have to have two drop ships flying to the same point. So the only way I could see that working is we'd have to create multiple, basically three flight paths to each Alpha, Beta, or, or Bravo, and Charlie. Um, and essentially, if there happens to be two dropships going to the same spot, then you know one would take, maybe the default one or whatever would take, the one that drops into the wall protection, and then another one would have to fly over and like right next to it, drop its mechs off or something. Um, I don't know that we could spread out the protected wall area enough to f let all three dropships drop their mechs off inside of the protected walls, but maybe they could be just on either side of the wall structures and dropped off their mechs. But you'd have to have three flight paths to each of the drop points. And so if you said, hey, we're going, because right now it's still at sync. So if you had seven people dead, clock clicked zero, and all seven of them said, we want to go there. But that represents seven people and all three lances. Then all three of the dropships is going to have to fly to that one particular spot and kind of go. Uh, they'd have to all have their own flight path so they don't, you know, smash each other. I mean, that could, I mean, that seems, I don't know the technical workload involved. I mean, I can guess, obviously, having the three different flight paths, some logic to choose if there's multiple in the same. It's, it's all sounds doable. I'm not the engineer that's going to have to code it, but. That that's one way. I mean, that's one way I can kind of see off the top of my head that something like that would work. I mean, can you guys see another scenario? So, real quick. So, if you were to allow drop zone selection, I understand what you're saying about the walls and the flight paths. If you were to allow drop zone selection to where people could pick the drop zones that they're going to, you wouldn't have to worry as much about actually having the walls to protect against the farming right, right. because the only time they would go to an area where they would be farmed out is if they chose to go there. They could avoid being farmed altogether by going to a different part of the map. So the walls become irrelevant at that point in time. I mean, again, it's... We're, but would we're we want to lose it. the walls necessarily? I mean, I think we have to think about non-pro unit type people as well right um kind of like a 12 mishmash of solo queue type people on either side i mean i don't know but you wouldn't want to necessarily just like lose the walls altogether, would you well so i've actually dropped i've done a lot of solo drops by myself i don't always drop in 12 mans i actually like the challenge sometimes of dropping as a solo um i'd say 80 percent of the time at least one person in the solo group tries to organize and get people going. So solos aren't as lone wolf as maybe a lot of people think they are. And in if, you know, in that map where it actually gives you the drop zone selection, if it was an actually active map that showed like radar readings from teammates showing that there are mechs in a certain area, I, I think players would naturally avoid being dropped immediately into a conflict on their own. I think that's a natural preservation tendency. All right, I'm going to let uh, Spider say something, and then uh, Derek, if you have any comments, I'd love to hear uh, your point of view on this after uh, Spider sure. speaks. All right, yeah, Spider, so I'm, gonna, go. I'm not going to take long. So basically, the walls—I mean, the walls can help you and they can hurt you because a lot of what we do now is we just hide. We, as the as the gut people doing the doing the spawn camping, hide on the side of the wall. We have to drop to the pass, and then we push in. So there's, there's give and take from the walls. And again, going back to what I said earlier, we're already moving guys around with the drop command right now, manually moving them around. You know, I mean, so 
there's, there's that component, and there's what Xavier is alluding to, which is having a ta- the tactical ability, another layer of ta- tactics or whatever, game to have more control about where you deploy on the map. Let's say you want to deploy a bunch of light mechs, this drop zone to, to run over here. Um, I mean, as far as flight, you know, flight paths of ships, I mean, that's something I, I didn't really even think about, but if it's possible to do, I mean, I think it would really, really help level it a little bit in terms of getting farmed out, because when you're a new player, you first start playing the game, you will be farmed. I mean, it, it's just, you get the hang of the game, it's just, a, it's just a way of life. We were all farmed when we first started getting play, when we first started playing, but at least this way, you have a fighting chance to a degree to evade just being killed out of the dropship. We used to get streaked out of the dropship, like I would, I would die in the dropship, and that happens. You know, it's like I would show up, I would be killed out of the dropship by a mad dog. You know, it's like frustrating. And I, I feel bad for those players who don't know how to avoid that or, or have a drop commander who's adept enough to move people around. It's just something to think about. Okay, Understood. so I want a couple comments. Is Darren, sorry, do you want yep. to jump in? No, I was just going to let Derek go, but go for it. You, you first. Oh, Derek, are you trying to get in here, bud? Uh, no, you can go ahead first. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, as far as the walls are concerned... Whatever, right? I mean, it's certainly easy to pull them out if, if we decide they're not needed. So I'm not going to get hung up on that topic too much. Um, then as far as, I mean, you said, I think it was Xavier said some things at the very end that kind of triggered me as far as, you know, aha, there's a lot more to this. So, I mean, it's one thing if at the drop selection screen where you select your mech, you simply say you choose between, you just click either alpha beta or charlie drop point or something like that that would be and then, then that would kind of you just have to have all the flight paths and logic and so there's one thing but if you want to it sounds like you are also desiring that on that screen you would have essentially battle grid access and looking at the map of the battle grid to decide which one you want to drop to so maybe um so maybe how you select alpha beta or charlie is from a more of a battle grid type map view so we don't have that in that area so it's more technical hurdles or work to try to get that up i don't think i'd want to give the dropship kind of uav capabilities so you know exactly where they are i mean that to me sounds more like a balance concern but if you have living people on the battlefield then obviously they see people that shows up in the battle grid and that helps you decide where you want to drop so you know the feature just gets bigger when we talk it's all probably feasible but um that would add just another level of complexity to it to have actual battle grid map types of views um, bef- before you select where you want to go. But it, it, tell me if I said that incorrectly or assumed something incorrectly, but that would be, you know, it's kind of doubles the size of the feature, but it's all, it's all feasible. I would I like to, Xavier, if you have anything to add, that's fine, but I would like to kind of move on from this topic, but I do want to give Derek a chance to speak on it before we do move on. Uh, but Xavier, is there anything else as far as this specific one? Uh, the only thing I'd say about that is the whole point behind bringing up like a mini map for them to select is because most people will not know specifically where Alpha, Bravo, or Charlie drops without seeing in a map relation to where the spawn, the drop point would be. So I'd say a lot of people would need a visual indicator of where they were dropping. All right. And Derek, got anything to add? Uh, yeah, I'll be pretty quick with this so we can get on to other topics. But um. Cool. I mean, yeah, I I definitely like the idea of a battle grid style select your drop point. Um, I mean, as Russ said, there's some practical limitations with it, especially with the flight paths. I mean, um, 
it's always a little bit of a challenge uh, when it's kind of asynchronous after the first wave because you're going to have people respawning at different times. So, I mean, just thinking about it from a practical standpoint, we might look into doing something like a queue almost. You know, the first four go in and you have the dropships coming in at a regular basis. I, um, I mean, but the, I'm sorry to jump in, but that would kind yeah. of moot the entire point of bringing everyone in at the same time. If, if you couldn't bring them on at once, I'd assume. Well, I mean, what you could do is have, you know, after after the respawns, you know, dropships are going out uh, to Alpha, Beta, Charlie all at the same time or on their own schedule. And, you know, you queue in a drop at one. Um, you could have four going in at once. That would help us with the flight path issue or, you know, maybe there's just an alternate way where we just... Well, I suppose you could potentially up, line yeah. up the dropships almost like... Like the second the dropship is like buzzing away from the spot, that other one's like cruising right in. So they're yeah, like, like a train. Yeah, like in a way almost. Yeah. Yeah, that's just. That would off eliminate the, top the need head. for multiple paths. It would just probably put about. Well, we could. The second you drop out of the belly, we could make it fly away right away. Usually, right now it hovers to provide more protection, but you could take off right away. So you'd probably just have about. Oh, I don't even know, five or six, I'm just guessing, like a few seconds in between those guys drop, then the next one comes in, those guys drop. Um, it's a bit of a change, though, from... Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Keep rolling. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that was that was the gist of it. Just trying to wrap my head around kind of the more logistical side of it, because the flight path is definitely um, a problem in the fact that we can only throw in four guys at once. But um, no, I definitely do like the idea of being able for players to choose where specifically they drop. I think that can help with some of the issues we've seen so far. All right. And uh, we will move on to the next topic. I'll let uh, Xavier bring that up. Um, just to let you all know out there, uh, you know, Dane didn't have anything to add to that necessarily. So we're not leaving him out of the conversation. I got um, one more thing to bring up, though. Okay. And I want to get what Xavier and these guys think of this. Yep. So... Two members of Alpha Lance are dead. Um, one says, I want to drop at the Alpha point. One says, I want to drop at a different point. Dropship can only go one place. So unless we're getting into rejigging the Lances on the fly every single time people respawn, which I'm not even sure is possible because the, based on the way the people choose, there may not be combinations that even work. Uh, as far as saying, okay, great, you know, these guys want this, these guys want that, now you're off the lance, now you're, I mean, rejigging it on the fly, I don't even know if that would work necessarily based on the way it, that sounds really complicated and, and, and sounds like it would be scenarios where it wouldn't even work. So Alpha dropship can only go to one spot. And if everyone on the dropship is picking different places, someone's going to have to win off that process and someone's gonna have to lose which sounds like it'd be a frustrating thing so i don't know that just popped into my head and i i think it's a problem any thoughts on that so you could go you could go two ways in in my opinion on that one you could either do first in first out meaning first person in gets to select and the other person has to wait until that machine has been dropped until that mech has been dropped to go to a different spawn point or the other way of doing it is the first person in selects where that dropship is going to fly for the next redrop, which means that the, the the person that dies immediately after them either has a fixed drop point that they're going to drop side by side with somebody else, or they have to wait until that ship has dropped to make their next selection as to where they want to drop. So one of two ways. That would be my opinion. So the first one sounds like maybe it could work. 
I'm the first one dead in Alpha Lance. I get in there and I say, we're going to Charlie. Um, other Alpha, one other, one other Alpha Lance member dies. He pops in there. He sees it's going to Charlie. So he has a choice to ride along to go to Charlie or to essentially say, I'm going to skip a, I'm going right. to wait right. till the next one so I can go over to Alpha. Um, and the guy who initially said Charlie, maybe he can change his mind up until the drop time or something. If the guy's on VoIP and says, what are you doing, idiot? We should be going to Alpha. Then he can change it. Uh, something like that. I mean, that's, that's possible. So thanks for those thoughts. I mean, hey, Darren, they, mm. yeah, I don't know how many subjects we have. But, I mean, these guys made it really clear at the beginning that this was the most important topic that they had. So I just want to make sure we talk out everything we can think of of course um but i I can't think of anything else so i think the um, other thing i'm sure in design meetings more things are going to pop up that we'll have to try to solve but uh um, yeah it's definitely not initial initial mentioning it seems like a small thing but obviously from a gameplay perspective and even from a design and development perspective it's actually a fairly big feature but it would be very uh sounds like it'd be very powerful and very valuable to add a lot to each match yeah, I mean, given the size of those quick play maps, you know, it's not anyone's fault. Just there's some of them are a little smaller, tighter than the old CW maps. So, it becomes it becomes an issue pretty quickly if you're getting rolled. Um, and there's also been multiple suggestions for, and you know, of course, this is you know adding a new feature. But uh, initial drop is drop ships, and then all respawns are uh, drop pods, um, which you know are could which? drop pods. So like a you know hot jump and now. You know, kind of like that. Uh, yeah, I see. High altitude yeah. thing. So basically, yeah. you just end up wherever you want. Wherever. So it's tied to the individual rather than the lance or whatever. Um, and I also do want to encourage everybody that's trying to get their say in, in chat. Uh, continue this conversation in the the uh, the MWO forums thread that was for tonight's meeting. I'll link that here in a second. Um, and and we can keep talking about this. So, uh, but Russ, do you want to continue with this more, or have we? Uh, Done I all think we we're can good, tonight. unless Derek has anything else. I mean, anything that will allow you know matches to be closer, obviously, is a good thing. And if, if it, even even if it allows a less powerful team, an obvious you know underdog in a match to um, better protect themselves and just make the match closer than it would have been. Closer usually equals a funner experience for the players, even on the losing team, generally. All right, Xavier, you want to uh, take us to the next bullet point? Yeah, sure. I'll go to the next one, and I know this is one that was uh, near and dear to Spider's heart, so I'll introduce it, and then uh, I'm sure he'll have something to say about it. Cool. So with the new uh, push-pull queue, uh, which is an awesome implementation, by the way, of an actual feel of how a war or fight is actually progressing, and the addition of the quick-play game modes, which I've had more fun playing Conquest in in faction play, than I ever had playing it in just the quick play simply because of redrops and, and the depth of play added there. The the situation occurs where battles can sometimes get bogged down inside of a certain cycle. Um, and our progressive uh, war scenario where you may be playing domination for upwards of two to three hours potentially because no one can move in or out of a specific um, segment of the push-pull queue. Um, it came up in conversation that there's certain players that prefer to play a specific mode over an, another specific mode, and 
if if you were playing this out as like kind of how a real war would progress, not every front of of a war will be advancing at the same rate that another one is. So to add um, kind of almost like like player power to the match, we were talking about much the same way how you have uh, game type and map voting in quick play, having some sort of similar feature in faction play as well, because certain units may want to play the invasion mode, certain units may want to play the conquest mode. Um, so a voting system that allowed them to pick the game type first, because we realized that they're, the invasion maps are not quick play maps, so it couldn't all be in one screen. But um, a, pick a game type, and then allow a map selection type um, vote immediately after that, followed by a one-minute ability to select one of your drop decks so that it does actually fit the map would be a very powerful feature. And then I'll hand it over to Spider and let him throw his two cents in. Well, that's, <laughs> in a nutshell, it's pretty much what it is. I mean, like... I'm I'm trying not to make this like quick play versus fact you know community warfare back and forth. You know my my guys and I we live guys like KCOM, we live we lived for that. I mean even guys in Evil we live for that invasion mode, man. You know we trained and played and played and played. And when we uh when the quick play maps were introduced, we were kind of like on the fence about it. We didn't know because we were honestly some of us aren't just straight up aren't good at quick play. We just you know we just never never took it seriously or whatever because that was our thing in faction warfare but you know i've been playing i've been playing i've played probably through four attack phases over the last last week and i haven't had one invasion mode in probably two weeks i mean that's because the tug of war seems to stick around a certain point whether it's player population people you know uh, mercenaries switching sides or whatever but like i feel like invasion just does not those maps just aren't getting utilized properly. So what's you know we talked about it at length with some folks uh, at the pre-meeting, and it's just I don't want to make it make it seem more akin to how quick play is, but like the ability to choose, like somebody comes to you with like a dos, like a, you know combat dossiers, like these are the missions available to you. We have conquest, we have an assault, and there's an invasion. What do you choose? And then we, you know, it'd be a weighted, it'd be a weighted vote about, okay, we want to play invasion. And then the map would hopefully be chosen randomly to keep people from just like stacking the deck with like range nonsense or whatever the drop deck, you know, support it. You play it out. Cause it gives give you a chance to like, cause right now it's just, it just doesn't come. It just does not come up enough, you know? And we, you know, it just, we miss those game modes. I mean, I'm not saying it has to be back, go back a back step and hit those same notes like over and over and over again with the gun, the Omega, but it just has to come up more. And it just, I feel like it's not on the late night oceanic phase or sometimes in the Euro phase towards the end, you'll see get the, the bar get pushed way to the end really fast. And you can kind of jump in there and, and uh, you know, slide in for some, and I, I live for those matches, but as it stands right now, I've probably played about 50 plus hours of uh, MechWarrior online. And I haven't hit those maps one time. So we're just trying to spitball a way to make that happen. It could be Xavier's way or our, or our way or whatever. Yeah, but... yeah. Um, thanks for that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll share that. I haven't been happy either because we debated this a lot before we went live on exactly how we do this and how we do with the, the game modes. And we didn't like the thought of just random because um, you know how random works, you know. 
one guy's going to be tweeting me that he only ever sees right. one map in one game mode. Another, you know, so it's it's just never going to be. Someone's going to just feel like they like you might still feel like you never get to play Invasion like ever because it's just random. It's just you're getting screwed. Um, and then the other thoughts we had, like we had lots of different thoughts about you know certain times of the battle window being certain game modes, but. I've I've never liked that idea either. Um, for anything that we've done, we've we've contemplated it before for these you know these battle windows and having them shift and stuff. But what ends up happening, of course, is you end up essentially you know chasing uh, you know the moon calendar, where like you know once a month the stars align that in your play window that you have you get the stuff you want because. You know, you might have to work and you don't get to play till later. Then you always miss a particular game mode or whatever. So that doesn't really work. Um, we thought we had the best that we could come up with, which was kind of moving through shifts of a, okay, you land, you're doing skirmish. Okay, you're doing this, you're doing that. And then you're getting to invasion. In the beginning, it was working okay when things were much more imbalanced between the clan and IS because uh, everyone played those modes. But... Clans were winning so much that, you know, within two hours it was invasion and it stayed invasion for six hours straight. So, of course, we got a lot of negative feedback about that because you know, the non, maybe more core people were like saying, geez, you know, I, by the time I logged in, when I got home, it was just invasion. And what I keep hearing, there's these new, you know, modes in there, but I've never seen them. So that was a challenge. And now the problem is, though, since I guess the IS clan balance is better now between the units and the players and we're getting a lot of stalemates which is good in one way because it's not just like roll 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 uh through the map but now it like you say it it might just hang out in like i don't know the second one or something like all day or whatever and never makes it to invasion so that's not good so I'm, i'm i'm open to solutions um voting sounds interesting i've always been not a big fan of allowing mech selection after you know the map because I think it leads to more meta builds, more focused meta builds with the lack of need to maybe have a ver- uh, varied mech amount of mechs in your mech bay or, or loadouts on your mechs and your drop decks. And not really known for sure what's coming up <clears throat> is, uh, is good in that way. But that's something that we don't necessarily have to debate right now. That's what we're talking about is how to do the the map game modes in faction play. So getting back to the ideas, it sounded like one was vote on the, um, what was it? Vote on the game mode, then the map. Is that what you said, Xavier? The, the map yeah. is random, but the game mode is voted on. Well, so well, you can't, in... those meta builds, I don't want those either, right? But at least it is a wild card in there where you, do, you don't know. You can't stack the deck. You, you wanted the game mode, well, here it is, and hopefully you have the right mechs in there, you know? I know it's balancing is always going to be an issue, but that's that's the that's the check and balance we came up with that work everyone agreed with. Well, so so I want to was... make this sorry, Xavier. You you quickly just rehash your <coughs> excuse me okay. uh, vote process, and then and Spider. I just make sure I hear them both again. Okay, so this was this was one of the the actual fix we weren't sold on. This was just more of a we were trying to present like options to your avenue to figure out what worked the best. One of them was, like Spider said, was to vote on the the mission to play, and then the map would be random. The other suggestion was that you vote on the mission, 
and then you're presented with a, a subsequent vote to select the map. And at that point, it could go one of two ways. Like, you either you're never going to drop into a combat scenario not knowing where you're going to fight. So, if you're going to drop on a random map not necessarily allowing drop deck modifications, but allowing someone 30 seconds or 50 seconds to choose between their already defined drop decks so that, you know, that encourages them to have multiple decks built, have multiple mechs for that, have multiple situations prepared for, or have a map vote of some kind with the fixed deck that they already selected. Um, I, I think, I think in all honesty, you would have to have one of those two, and this is one of those points where we didn't, we never really came to a 100% clear point, so it probably needs some sort of polling or questioning after that, but those were really the two kind of dis, uh, dissenting ideas we came up with. You either right. gave them voting so all the way some, through. There's some, uh, I guess, points, minor points within that to debate, or not so minor, but the kicker here is voting on game mode in particular because sounds like for the guys that love invasion and stuff or hate invasion or whatever you know how guys are they all have the modes they hate and love and if you have the voting power mechanic like in um quick play then if so-and-so's unit is just not getting uh invasion game mode um within a few matches they almost certainly will because they have you know, times whatever, times six voting or something, so they can get uh, the invasion game mode. So we could have. I mean, and I still want to talk about the the map and the drop deck part, but voting on the game mode, you both agree on, or everyone agrees on, like that's You guys think voting on a game mode is some kind of some kind of choice better than yeah. the current phases. Yes, universally voting on the game mode was the was the universal agreement. What occurs after that, or the layers beyond that, that's that really would be, and from someone's judgment call, maybe what's the most balancing? You know, forcing them to drop in a, um, you know, kind of like a universally prepared deck as opposed to an optimized deck. Maybe you see more balanced engagements in doing something like that. That's that's really. Not gonna say I'm throwing that over the fence, but that's kind of almost throwing that into into your yard, based upon how you feel most strongly about that. Hey, uh, just gonna interject real quick. Um, you know, I don't want to derail this in any way whatsoever, but uh, Dane and Derek have something to say, so I'm gonna let Dane go first, real quick, um, and then Derek, and the hopefully the conversation just keeps moving. Dane. Uh, well, I'd rather hear what Derek had to say. <laughs> okay, Derek first, <laughs> then, right. then back to Dane. Um, yeah, I guess I'd go play the devil's advocate a little bit, but I think I, I'm not entirely sold on the idea of voting itself for the game modes in the uh, the tug of war. Um, I do definitely see the need for more variety, uh, more densely, because uh, yeah, you know, when you're having so many stalemates, you're kind of stuck in the middle a lot of the times, or never seeing the the far ends. Um, and we had a whole bunch of different kind of thoughts and process on how to tackle us. Russ had mentioned a bunch of them earlier about, you know, certain time we do different game modes, but, um, you know, I'm thinking other ones we thought we slightly considered was waiting it. So have it random, but still yeah, waiting like, um, 
you know, in, in the first, uh, based on where it is in the tug of war, say the first 20% where right now it's just skirmish or whatever the exact numbers are, um, you know, it, say there's an 80% chance of a match to be skirmish and then five for conquest, five for assault, et cetera, et cetera. And so we can kind of control that and it fits the idea. It still keeps with the theme of, you know, you have an invasion happening. And so the first kind of touchdown, there's always going to be, you know, the loose fighting, but um, you can still get a little more chance of that, uh, that game mode variety as well. Um, that was another one we kind of played with at the time, and maybe it's worth us revisiting the different options we had because uh, it's clear that people do want uh, want to see invasion again and see some of the other modes instead of kind of going through it in a linear order. All right, Dan, and before you start, uh, I just want to remind everybody in chat um, that although we are focusing on uh, these three guys and, and the topics that they brought tonight. You know, so in tonight's meeting, this is what we're focusing on. Um, you, all of you out there that are trying to be heard right now, you are going to be heard. Uh, we're, like I said, we're taking down notes of what you're saying in chat. Um, also participate in the forum. I'll link it after I stop talking. Um, continue the discussion. What you're saying does matter. Your vote does count. Uh, so let us know. Dane, what do you have to say? Uh, well, I said the I actually asked to talk a while ago, so a lot of what I was going to say was was mostly already mentioned. Um, I mean, you it seems like PGI has already dealt with this problem internally. Uh, I think them just knowing that it's still an issue and that there's people that want to play more maps. I, I mean, I feel confident that they can figure out a way to uh, to fix it. And I know people want random, and and Russ has already said why there's a good reason why that doesn't work. So. I don't have any more to say about that. Sorry to waste. <laughs> it's good no, to hear thanks, from you. Man. Uh, sorry, we'll let you. If you ping those guys and want to talk more, Darren, you can cut us off more frequently if you need to to get people in there. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I'll talk about what Derek said real quick. I mean, the waiting, we could consider that. Um, I'm a little skeptical about that too, just because I think we kind of know where that path leads, like in the sense that. When it's weighted, it's still going to have that randomness of towards the end of the day or towards the end of the battle cycle or whatever, when it's supposed to be weighted really heavily towards invasion. But if you know how random works and a unit's just like three matches in a row, they're playing like freaking skirmish in the last hour of the cycle and they're just wondering if it's broken because it's just the way it worked out. Um, so that makes me skeptical about those systems. I, I think trying to protect the the notion of the waves like the skirmish the conquest or the the, i forget the exact order goes in was it skirmish domination conquest i forget you guys know um that order protecting that in some way like it's really valuable to get up to invasion i get it i was a big proponent of that as well in the beginning it's like you you work towards invasion and i did feel like I guess the biggest part I guess I would feel like we would lose with the vote is it did feel like it did feel fitting that invasion was the final phase of the conflict. And so you would definitely lose that. And so I think that's why Derek brings up the waiting to try to keep that to a degree. But if you're waiting it anyhow and causing some skirmish matches to kick off in that final waited period, then it's, it just kind of feels like. It doesn't work, but do you think there's another way to have a voting system, but keep that notion that, you know, invasion is kind of the final phase? 
Uh, Xavier, um, not to cut you off, but Dane yeah. has something to say, and I want to give him a turn uh, yeah, since he does have ahead. something. Dane, go for it. Well, uh, one thing is is the phases themselves. So you have an eight-hour phase, like you mentioned earlier, when the uh, clans were dominating the IS pretty handedly. You'd get about two hours of that phase with something different, and then six hours of invasion. Um, I mean, there's always the the chance that you could change how the phases work, whether it be the length or the mechanics of them, so that rather than have a have an eight hour fight that just kind of settles somewhere, you have you have quicker quicker movement. Um, but that might be a, a different topic, which phase length. If we can we can go into that later, but just to throw in right here, Xavier. Well, so, yeah, Rush, ahead, you want to Xavier, respond? actually, I have one other comment. Then, that okay. might, Xavier, you you can consider that too for your comments. Okay, so so this was a this was a different um, idea that we were saying about, and I hear what you're saying about preserving the phases. So, what if the phase that you're in dictated the options that you were afforded to vote on? That rather than just three random game types, if you're in the first phase, you're afforded the ability to choose between skirmish and the the game type on either side of wherever your current um where wherever your current slot is so if you're in skirmish the the ones on either side of it would either be skirmish because it's the one in the middle or conquest so the two votes um afforded to you would be conquest and skirmish once you moved into conquest you would then have the ability to choose between skirmish conquest or domination that kind of preserves the options that are afforded to you across the battle window, and then that means you only have to get to assault then if you want to play the invasion game type. And that gives you three-window coverage on either side of it, and that's how the voting selection is made. Yeah, I had a similar thought just before you said that. Um, basically just manipulating what's, what you can vote on based on uh, where you are. Uh, there is one other advantage of a voting system in the fact that, like right now, the reason we have so many, I guess, um, stalemates is we want players to get all the way to the invasion cycle, and then the way we've got to set it set is you have to win, I believe, just even one invasion cycle to hit that threshold. And so the threshold's hard to hit because it has to be has to be contained within invasion. But if the battle, uh, the, the the phases aren't present, like it's just all a vote screen. And you can set the threshold basically anywhere. Uh, we could move that threshold up some, and, and you know, to have more successful flipping per each way, um, rather than having to keep it way down at the end of that line. So, but if you did the manipulated the voting, then you know, based on where you were, then you'd still end up with the uh, the threshold kind of buried pretty deep um, in that line. So I'm not sure if you guys see that a problem or not, but right now you have to get up to like, what is it? Six, 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 24 plus one. You have to win, I think, 20, you have to be up 25 to hit that threshold. Do you guys view that as a problem? I guess what I'm trying to say is it's hard for us to adjust it because the way the system works is you have to go through these four phases and I can put the threshold anywhere I want, but obviously if I move it up into like domination, then, you know, you could just, you don't have to fight into those other game modes. So our hands are kind of tied and keeping the threshold kind of way deep on that line into the um, invasion area. Did you, is that, do you guys 
feel at all like that's been a problem or do you think you like that as a challenge like you have to get you know way down towards the end of the line before you know you're actually going to flip the planets i like the idea of it like thematically like you work up to an invasion and it happens but you know like we don't have to get so bogged down on like how you know the mechanics of how you get there it doesn't even have to be linear you know just whatever way the community can come together to make those modes appear more like if it's weighted or during certain points, those are all good notes for us. They really are. I'm just, just some way for people who are still fans of those maps, get them, you know, instead of get locked. Because right now, currently, there aren't a whole lot of maps in faction play. Some like, like you know, a canyon obviously is not in there, and so is you know, uh, what is mining colony. So it's like sometimes you just get locked in these same three maps in the same game mode, fucking out, you know, just something that can get us along. What, what that might be, I'm sure you got like you know, you and James, uh, James, Eric, can figure it out. Just Something along those lines. Anyone else have anything to add to this topic? All right, then, uh, if you guys don't mind, let's do a five-minute bio break, uh, et cetera. Is that good for you, Russ? Yeah, of course. Sounds good. All right, guys, we will be back in five. All right. Everyone, welcome back to the Faction Play Roundtable. I'm Bombadil and I'm your host tonight. Um, tonight, you, the community, through player representatives, your own forum and other social media posts and Twitch live chat get to share your thoughts and feedback regarding the ongoing development improvements to the MWO Faction Play experience directly with Russ, Bullock President, and Derek James, designer at Piranha Games. Uh, but just real important that you all understand this. Uh, tonight's focus, this meeting is on what's being brought forward by the player representatives here, but this does not mean that other suggestions or viewpoints are being ignored as we've been monitoring and we'll continue monitoring the forums, Reddit, Twitter posts and everything. Uh, and we'll continue the discussion on the forums. I will link that again when I stop talking here, but, uh, Xavier, let's just kick this off. Um, and you want to take us away with the next bullet point? Yeah, sure. Um, the next one, and this is probably going to be where Dane and spider uh, both chime in. This was actually, there were some spider ideas and Dane ideas in this one, and it really comes down to we were talking about differentiating um, loyalists, rewarding loyalists, um, and everything it it means to really be a loyalist and incentivize. Because right now, basically, once they get to like rank twenty within a faction, which I know there's a lot of people out there that in their home loyalist faction they're sitting there. Um, there's really nothing more, no reason for them to be loyal to the faction at that point in time. And we were tossing around ideas, um, and again, this is entirely in PGI's bucket, about instead of some of the rewards for loyalists being one-time gift rewards, that some of the, the rewards or the layers actually works towards like a recurring reward. So for every rank they progress, they earn an extra 5,000 C-bills for showing up in a match. So rank one, they earn 5,000 C-bills just for showing up. By the time they get to rank 20, they'd be earning 100,000 C-bills just for showing up at a match, some kind of continued loyalty bonus. And along with those lines, we were also talking about um, faction differentiation and some sort of like faction bonus that applied towards faction play. And by that we mean, let's say Steiner had an extra 5% cooldown on any ballistic weapons they were running. And Davion had an extra 5% energy range for any energy weapons they're running. Something to kind of distinctly identify the factions and give them some sort of a, almost like a tech advantage or 
uh, a unique feel within them because right now it doesn't matter what faction you are in the inner sphere loyalist there's really no differentiation between them because of the ability to drop everyone together and that's where i'll leave it and then i'm sure spider and dane will chime in with uh, other ideas we had along the lines spider dane so uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dave. Xavier, he mentioned some things uh, about like damage and heat and stuff. <laughs> Almost swore. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but um, it's. I think uh, you we are. had discussions on the forums, and uh, I, I feel like that's probably a, a dangerous place to go with balance. Um, I think some of the more fruitful conversation on this, and we'll we'll call them faction perks was uh, uh, more of passive things. For instance, like dropships. One faction might have a, an option to have a dropship uh, drop you quicker. So instead of a 30-second 30 30 timer, you've got a 20-second timer, that, that kind of thing. Or uh, I have some other examples. I can go into them a bit. I haven't written down. But the other idea that people have had as well is rather than have these be permanent uh, bonuses that you have per faction, they're actually something that you can earn. So maybe you turn the faction points into a currency. That might be an absurd uh, amount of work, though. That's just a, a theory. Um, and and they can use the faction, the loyalty points that they're earning in these matches to get a like one of these bonuses or a boost. And they might not have to be big. They don't have to be certainly not permanent. Um, but but something that that encourages them to play and makes them feel good about playing. And uh, I know someone, the idea at least seems neat if, you, if you're dropping with, say, like a mixed group from multiple factions, and a few of them just have different sort of uh, tweaks they have that make it a little bit more interesting for them to be with you. Um, like another one that was just kind of thought up was a UAV that has more health or more range from one faction. So it's exciting when you have a Karita with a UAV that's a little bit better than anyone else. Um, but there, there is a lot of concern about there being a balance issue there, and uh, we don't want to break the game, and we, and we don't want to give you something that you're going to just say, well, that's going to break the game. But, uh, but people are just looking for a way to, to kind of make it more exciting to be a faction loyalist. And I know you guys already have some ideas on that, so I think I'll drop it there, and we'll see what others have to say. Cool. Spider, you want to uh, say something before Russ or Derek do? Yeah. So, my, you know, we... A lot of the stuff we talked about previously was kind of like things that need to be done. You know, there's certain things I think on a stretch goal or down the road as we flesh out the game that'll get done. But, you know, I came from being a loyalist and we stopped being loyalists because, you know, just the need to get matches and have more, have just have more access to a content from the game by playing those clan mechs, you know. The long running feud, I don't even, I mean, I'm sure you guys are aware between loyalists and mercenaries. Most comp players play mercenary because they can, you know, competitive to, to chase that meta right and i mean i do miss those days when we were my guys were in, out in front with the germans you know playing steiner you know we had you know it, it gave us a sense of pride now, i'll tell you right now man i'm not some battletech mech warrior like lore guy i i don't know i didn't really know anything about the universe until i started playing the game honestly but it was fun for me to kind of learn about it as i played the game and like i just picked steiner because like i don't know I look cool you know and like you you talk to guys who love the game and you learned about it. And there was some, you know, it, it kept those old guys around and kept them playing. So I thought for a long time, like, what are the things you could do to help bolster loyalists? Because right now, man, loyalists should really drive the game. Mercenaries should be like a, 
a splinter of that, but it's really the other way around. Those guys have stuck out, stuck it out for a long time, and it's just be nice just beyond the. I know you guys have mentioned like special happening, like invasion stuff for, for just them, but I think to piggyback on what Dane was saying, what I really wanted to talk to you guys about was like just really fleshing that out. Like the bonuses or the perks or whatever don't have to be weapon based. They could be like. I don't know, like five tons in a drop deck for Steiner, whatever. I mean, like a fact, maybe if every faction has their own trial mech they can bring. Maybe while you're in a faction, you have access to those factions paint jobs and on, on loan, you know, on, on loan. So like, something where it's like, oh, here comes a bunch of Steiners over a hill and it's or a bunch of Caridans over a hill or a clan wolf over a hill. And it gives it some gravitas, some meaning to be in that you know, in there. You know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys came up to me before this even started and was like, hey, Spider, I'm ranked 20. What do I do with these points? Can you just bring up? We want a new. We want new. There's something to grind, something to work towards, you know, other than just faction hopping. So, I, if if I can get anything worked on from me as Spider, that would be that would be my my big takeaway. Besides the technical fixes for the game. All right, uh, on to Russ or Derek. Either of you have a yeah. response? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a lot to digest, and it's I understand. I mean, try to touch on each thing, uh, recurring rewards. I mean, there's something to think about. I know that people have hit 20, um, some people a long time ago, and uh, they've got those loyalty points. I mean, a lot of this you might have to leave with us to try and chew on because we we know it's something we need to work on, Um, and we are working on something. I'll get to that in a minute. Spending the loyalty points <clears throat> some other way. There's a lot of technical problems with that, with uh, essentially turning it into a currency, in it, which is a lot of work. But, um, I, I mean, I like those thoughts. I mean, yeah, I, you guys, I think, we, you know, you guys are rightfully seeing. I, I mean, I love the thought of having each faction, um, each, you know, great house having its own set of flavor you know, quirks um, that kind of come with the whenever chassis you're running. Obviously, these quirks would only be applied in faction play matches. and But as we've seen, certain quirks are meta and, you know, they are, some are not. So you'd have people chasing that meta more too. Like, obviously, we already know, like, energy heat reduction, things like that. Um, are just like going to gravitate the entire player base to that faction. Um, so it's very challenging to find 10 different quirk styles that are equally important. I don't even know if that's possible. I mean, that would be really challenging. But if you could, that would be interesting. I just don't know if it's actually possible. Um, UAVs, those other thoughts, ECMs. Yeah, it's all kind of in the same vein very, very interesting. Really cool to think about. Um, better ECM for these guys or UAV for those guys. And artillery strikes are stronger for those guys. I mean, that's all really, really cool. Um, just the balance challenge is just insane. And bringing that up, um, the mercenaries, whoever they're currently contracted with, I suppose they get those rewards. So um, right now, one of the big problems we have I'm going to call those problems. I mean, for me, it'd be better if the entire player base, of course, was perfectly evenly balanced skill-wise and numbers across all 10 factions just stayed there indefinitely, right? 
but that's not reality. People can shift. And right now we've we've got an update coming. We're calling it fact, um, Faction Play 4.2. Um, it's coming relatively soon. We're targeting April, and it's completely focused on loyalists. Essentially, uh, it's not really dealing with this. It's but I'll, let me get to that in a second. But before I get to that, we are gonna. I hope all you mercenary units out there aren't going to get mad about this, but we're, we're going to finally fix the loophole. Um, I call, I think it's a loophole. I don't think it's even really a feature change. It's a loophole. I mean, the, the goal was that, or not, not the goal. The intention was that mercenaries, the big advantage they have is they don't have to commit loyalty forever. They take on contracts and those contracts are seven days and they need to play in that contract for seven days. Now I think most of you units out there, um, do that. I, I think you you run your contracts for seven days. So it won't, won't really affect you. There's a few, though, however, that don't. Uh, they have multiple units with slightly different spelling, and they jump between them at will, essentially. Um, just leave the unit and join the other one and jump factions like crazy. So um, we're going to put some fixes in there. Essentially, we... It's going to behave the same. It basically, it's just going to make you play out the seven days. It's like you've signed a contract, and when you tell your employer you're going to leave, you got to give notice. So if you've got six days left on a merit contract and you say, I'm leaving the unit, it's like, fair enough, but you still are with merit for six days, uh, and then you can do whatever you want. Join another unit, take the contract with someone else, become a loyalist, do whatever you want. But we want to make sure that, I mean, loyalists are there. And they're permanent contracts and leaving it's a big deal. At the very least, I think mercenaries can stick to their seven-day contracts without jumping through loopholes. Does anyone have anything to say about that before I move on to the other thing? Go. Uh, oh, you got something, Spider? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zero. No, Russ, continue. Really? Nobody has anything to say? Well, <laughs> there's going to be people mad about it, but, you know, that it was a loophole. Uh, I'm okay. They could deal with it. They're gonna send me evil PMs now, but coming sounds from cool a... to me, Russ. High five. <laughs> coming coming from a mercenary, I actually really don't have a problem with that because I often thought that was actually kind of a, a loophole as well. Okay, I mean, good to hear. I know that the people that take advantage of a lot will be upset a little bit because they just love the, you know the extra flexibility they're enjoying by jumping every two days if they want from one well, to honest... the other. Honestly, it was happening so people could find matches to avoid ghost drops in the beginning, and then it just kind of became a trend. It wasn't necessarily because they wanted to. It was a, it was really a, a precursor to you uh, combining the buckets. Honestly, what it has. Anyways, now. it's a good idea. What else do you got to tell us, Russ? Well, okay, before, you guys have heard about this before. Um, we call it. We need to come up with a better name for it. It doesn't really matter. It's a four point two update, but it's a special events window. It's basically a loyalist event window. So uh, there's a new system. You can call it a loyalist event. We, you guys have heard about this. Because we made the whole conflict, clan versus IS, we wanted to not lose that kind of canon lore notion of like Davian and Lauer fighting along their border or Merrick and these guys and or even between two clans potentially. And so essentially what this update will add is it will add this new um, special events window and we can control that. So, and we'll try to have them running constantly and it does pull people away from the main bucket, 
which is the probably really the only concern I have with it. And, and to see how that works, I think it'll be okay because we're just talking about um, two of the ten factions that um, will be distracted fighting all on their border. But that's that's the, that's the one wild card that I'm, I'm worried about. But what it'll be, so as an example, we can say, okay, and it'll all be represented kind of like what you guys are used to on the website, but it'll be all represented in the client. So it'll be a faction play event for, let's just say we set it for Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the weekend. And it's between Davian and Lau. And they're, it'll have one planet per side, kind of like a two-planet tug-of-war thing. And it'll have sort of a set amount of time. And there's a nice new reward system built into this screen. So it, this is for loyalists only, by the way. Lau loyalists, Davian loyalists. That's the way it's designed currently. And I, I mean, that's that's what we're designing it to be. And it'll be... This this reward screen has uh, victory reward, vict, uh, victor rewards, and then you know loser rewards, essentially or defeat rewards, and it's just built with a lot of function uh, flexibility. So we don't have to necessarily set rewards for the defeated side if we don't want to, but we can. Um, and then there's the victor side. So basically, it'll say like, okay, if your faction wins, you get this. So it could be mech bay, or it could be a mech, it could be anything we want it to be, as long as you hit kind of this minimum. Um, participation requirements and your faction wins you get this item but then uh, that's kind of the entire faction reward and then under that there'll be a bunch of personal tiers kind of like on the website um, events so we could have as many tiers we want and say okay if you do this that and the other then you get this if you then next tier you do this you know and then we could move up you could have three four five different tiers of just personal rewards you're earning plus the big faction reward should your faction be the one that wins um you know, there's a built with a lot of uh, flexibility, and you know it's kind of a precursor. You could see this system expanding into kind of more global capabilities of running two kid style events and things between all factions. But we're focused initially on getting out 4.2 with the ability to essentially be two factions, like one per side, two planets, setting on a time. Here's all the rewards, loyalist event, go, and we can just run these things constantly. Really, just need to monitor the buckets, but if we're always going to have at least eight factions. Um, if you take away two IS factions out of the six, you know, there's, I mean, there's some things to think about still on this, but I think that's really the only real concern I have is on, on the bucket sense, because obviously that's working really well right now in faction play. I don't want to, you know, don't want to screw that up. But I think from a loyalist perspective, the this will be for you. And, and rewards that you can receive because you're a loyalist and you've made that commitment to be a loyalist. So, um, Derek, if you want to add anything to that or we can get their feedback first or what? Um, I mean, yeah, you pretty much summed it up. It's kind of, uh, a, you know, special events for the loyalists to partake in. And, um, I mean, I think right now, as we have it planned, it's a pretty robust uh, reward system. So a lot of flexibility on our end to give players rewards based on kind of how your side does, how well you do yourself uh, solo. Um, So, I mean, I think we're all generally looking forward to it. And I think this is going to kind of keep that sense of, I guess, uh, identity as far as uh, being a loyalist, so you know we're still we're still keeping an eye out for the loyalists, and it's not forgotten in the whole clan versus IS uh, unified front. 
So you, you say this is going to run constantly, like there's always going to be one of these events going on? Well, we don't know. That's okay. We can. We can run them as often or as infrequently as we want. So I suppose right now we don't know, but we could. Oh, well. <laughs> I think uh, scarcity might be better just with the with the queue times and the amount of people playing. And then just get them a chance to get pumped for it, uh, get prepared, and then that day they run it. But that would just be my initial feedback. Maybe a whole weekend, like all weekend we're running. Well, yeah, it's a safer way to approach it. I mean, I imagine what we'll do is once it's finished, we'll we'll have our first one. You know, it'll be a test one. You know, it'd be like, okay, let's uh, let's have this Laudavian thing for maybe it's just all Friday and just or just all Saturday or something like that, and just see how it goes and everything. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it really it has full flexibility. We could we're just gonna you know fill out a few things on our side and submit it, and the client's just gonna be like, pop special event. Starts here, ends here. Here's all the rewards, stuff like that. Do you guys think you have the uh, the players in the oceanic time zone for this to to work in their time zone, or are there too few then? I don't really know for sure. Um, that's a difficult time zone to predict how that's going to behave. Um, I think there's enough there. If they're all kind of want, if they're all kind of collectively doing the same thing, but you know, if, if you got a lot of them in that time zone playing quick play, a lot of them focusing on comp stuff, some jumping into faction play, and then some interested in doing this, um, then you could have problems, yeah, for sure. So, all right, um, do we want to continue this? Does anybody else have anything to interject as far as uh, these events? Um, and for those of you out there, if you, I, I do see some opinions, uh, you know, on either side, be sure to go to that thread, make your, your position known. Um, so, um, I'll, I'll chime in just real quick on sure. what Russ was talking about. I don't think you're going to have any problems so long as the two factions that are participating are both inner sphere factions. I think where you're going to run into issue is if it's Jade Falcon and Wolf event and Ghost Bear and Smoke Jaguar event, you're going to end up with six houses versus essentially two clans on one side. And then you're going to probably affect the IS versus clan Q with additional wait times. That would be my only concern when it comes to something along those lines. Yeah. Response. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's yeah, that's my only concern is around the buckets. Um, you know, Davian and Lyle, it's an interesting lore type thought, but um, like Lyle doesn't have a lot of population, uh, so and this would be for loyalists. So I, I mean, I, I have mixed feelings on how much heads up we want to give for these events for obvious reasons. Like if we say, hey, two weeks from now there's going to be this special event. Then a whole whack of people, a lot of mercs, and everyone, you know, uh, bail from their current, I guess, contracts or whatever. And so they can participate. And I understand the desire to participate, but it, of course, could throw off the main conflict or just, you know, it creates a bunch of new balance concerns because everyone's faction hopping to be able to participate. Um, so that's always a concern. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, there's a few things still to think about with this and, um, when we have them and, and which factions, uh, 
so I think there's I think the system is is going to be great and it's gonna it's gonna provide something to loyalists that they don't have right now. But yeah, the, again, the only real concern left that we'll have to just have to test is uh, is pulling away a couple of factions from the main bucket. And one concern is pulling them away from the main bucket. Then another concern is, well, can these two factions, uh, do they have enough activity between the two of them to, you know, to kick off enough matches? Dane, go. Okay, so uh, this is not about the new faction events. I'm going to go ahead and say we're moving on past that. I'm just, I'm Darren now. And, <laughs> All, right. Um... <laughs> All right. No, I think we were there anyway. We're excited for them, and it'll be great to see how they play out. Uh, I know the Oceanic guys do want a chance to uh, to work with it, so I wasn't trying to say not to do it for them. But um, I've actually been collecting some some questions from the community for a few days, and I kind of wanted to just sort of hit you <laughs> with a with a lightning round. They're they're pretty uh, they're pretty small. I think a lot of them could be yes, no, or well, we'll think about it, or that'll never happen, kind of a thing. Um, and I just wanted to get a chance to ask a few of these, if that's okay. Go for it. Okay. So, uh, first, someone wanted me to ask you guys, uh, a long time ago, there was discussion about there being uh, PGI-ran, let's say, units, like uh, Clan Wolf Dra- or not Clan, Wolf Dragoons, and, and there was going to be an interaction with those units, and you could get tags and, and stuff like that. They just wanted to know if that was still a thing that's on, on a on a plan somewhere or you've kind of moved past it unit tags uh, on planets well well not not necessarily unit tags so um what i'm talking about is lore lore units and so uh you would i mean this was a long time ago when they talked about it there was do you you remember russ well barely not really <laughs> like i honestly i not really. Like I know there being some conversation about, um, you know, maybe not letting anyone run those particular unit names because it was unfair for certain people to claim them and stuff. But as far as like, you know, running into like Wolf's Dragoons or something like that, I mean, that's maybe that was some early, early like dreaming, but that would essentially means there's some sort of uh, like in what way would you run into them? Well, it was going to be a, there was going to be non-player driven units. So it would be, a, I think the, if I can remember, this was my, not my question. The first iteration or the when it was brought up was the idea that a person who achieved a certain level of faction rep with every single faction would then be able to join the non-player unit of the uh, Wolves Dragoons and wear their tag or something along those lines. Yeah, that must be, you have an uh, elephant memory. Well, I think there's some like <laughs> that's a little bit of elephant memory and a little bit of like just kind of also like player dreaming conjectured as well, thinking something <laughs> like I don't I don't think we'd ever presented that as an idea in particular as far as max out all these and then you get to be like Wolf Dragoons. Um no, I I'm sorry, I don't really have I guess like, obviously the answer is no, you know, that's not fine. thinking about that that's, at all. That just means no. Yeah, we're focused on <laughs> that, you know, how good. do we get these our players playing with each other in the best way and rewarding yeah. all this and stuff. So they just wanted to bring that up to, so it's fine if that's not anything anymore. 
Um, so one right, something else people were wondering if you were curious or if you were aware of is inactive loyalist players. So right now, Davian has a huge ton of inactive loyalist players, which bring which alters their contract for Davian, even though a lot of them aren't playing. Meanwhile, a unit like uh, or, or Leao has very few uh, inactives, but a lot of actives, and so it, it creates a a kind of a broken economy of players between the two factions as far as contracts go. Yeah, the only thing we can really do there is do a contract wipe, and we haven't done it for a while because uh, the last time we did a contract wipe, we had a lot of complaints from unit leaders that, um, you know, because they had to log back in and and, uh, and accept a new contract. And what happens it, sometimes is you have, let's say you have a bunch of players that are really active in like a Merrick unit, but their, you know, original leader hasn't played in six months. So you get a contract wipe and then he doesn't come on. He can't, he's not going to, no one can get a hold of him. He can't come on to accept a new contract. So essentially either they have to wait until they finally get a hold of their leader who was on vacation that weekend or whatever to actually sign in and actually take on a new contract, or maybe they have to blow up the unit and create a new one. So we've kind of tried to avoid doing contract wipes because loyalists, said hey we're loyalists like why are you wiping our contract we're you know we're merrick loyalists it's all we've ever been that's all we've been two years that's all we're ever going to be so why on earth are you wiping our contract but that's kind of what we have to do in this case because there is some really big units that say in davian in particular that have two three hundred but there's very few of them that are active at the moment um the only way to really kind of correct that would be to just sort of wipe all the contracts and make them all the people that are actually active kind of wake up and come in and reaccept contracts, and that way you'd get, uh, I think, a much more, you know, accurate representation of who's playing the game. But unless you guys can think of another idea, but that's that's what I think is the main problem here is the lack of contract wipes for the inactive units. Could you uh, could you tie it instead to just the amount of loyalists who've logged in? Is that a, or is that too hard? Um, it's probably not overly hard. It's just instead of just taking the total player percentages, I guess you're taking an activity poll instead. You know, I guess you could look at it as how many players have logged in over the last pick a number, thirty days or whatever you guys define activity to be. Um, uh, thirty days is probably good if not playing in thirty days or not yeah. playing a lot. And so that way it would probably cut down that overall. You know, say Davian number from what it is. Maybe it's twenty percent lower than it says it is because of activity. Yeah, it's a good thought. Thanks for the thought. All right, guys, we got like uh, just over ten minutes left, so I'm going to let uh, Xavier kind of some closing thoughts there, and then uh, Spider, and we'll take it out. So, Xavier, what you got on your mind? Okay, so just uh, one last quick thought. I know we kind of uh, wrapped the topic up, but we were talking about. Um, the faction loyalty and the new patch coming out for two, but um, maybe one of the ways you could do some sort of faction loyalty bonus or unique identifier is with the new skill tree coming out in February would be to have a loyalist skill tree potentially, maybe that they could uh, have that uniquely identifies or is different somewhere down in the skill tree chain, uh, like a couple extra bonuses maybe along those lines of actually like when you talk about balance and stuff like that, it's just give them um, faction-specific skill tree initiatives that they could potentially use either faction play points for loyalty points or 
some other regular Mech XP or something like that. Just kind of wanted to throw that in there, considering all the changes that are coming with, you know, the February skill tree changes. Yeah, thanks. I had that thought actually just a little while ago, too. I think we're on the same wavelength tonight. Um, it could be interesting, um, losing loyalty points to buy it. Uh, perhaps a node that gets, you know, nodes that get spent on a, you know, like a faction tree. It's obviously a whole different thought, a whole different system. It's, you know, you could piggyback it. So it's interesting. Maybe these would be more of a consumable type nodes too. So they, they consume. So you have to continue to earn loyalty points to continue to buy them. So that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, of course, I know that, I mean, mercs, so wouldn't mercs, um, I mean, since you're a Merc primarily, like, do you think that would be well-received or would we see mercenary units become loyalists or would mercenaries like to see something similar for them, like a, a Merc tree, you know, like, um, which uses reputation points or like, I mean, don't you think, I'm just wondering how much we'd head down to like, okay, now give it to us as well. Or if Mercs in general would say, no, this is okay that, you know, allow loyalists to have these things. So there was, and I'll, I'll, I'll close out with this and this will be my last statement because this was the one that was, let's say a little controversial, but everyone seemed to kind of like literally be 50, 50 on is that if you were going to do something like that for loyalists, maybe not necessarily a specific Merc skill tree that gave them something along the same lines, but the idea of dropping, um, mixed tech drop decks for mercenaries would be the compromise, allow them to drop both clan and IS mechs, not Mixed weapon techs like clan weapons on IS mechs, but IS mechs with clan mechs in a drop deck as some sort of a uniqueness factor for mercenaries really kind of dropping anything they find. And that's where I'm going to leave that because that is literally dropping the mic because that's going to be a whole other conversation in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, I think that a uh, loyalist tree then would have to be pretty darn good into uh, kind of equal that merc ability but i guess um as far as mixed tech goes there's not a lot to say there other than as you guys know we will be announcing in about a month um i guess you can essentially call it a timeline advancement i mean we're adding a whole bunch of technology and um we're not quite we're still finalizing on that but it'll all be final here in the next month um you know it could be could be as far as kind of like a 3068 type timeline so there's no doubt that we have a lot of thinking to do to figure out like what does that mean for faction play you know does that um does that change it at all does that open the windows for for mixed tech or whole round table right there <laughs> yeah it is a whole round table right there it's gonna be a really important subject and we have till july i guess to figure it out but i still think chances are that it's is versus clan but it's just um uh, a little different, like as you guys know, like this kind of more of a settled concept, and maybe that Operation Bulldog involving Smoke Jaguar. So in the end, it might still be Clan versus IS, but you just have a lot more technology per side. So, um, okay, yeah, that is the whole. That's there's a lot to talk about there. So thanks, <laughs> thanks slightly for, for those thoughts. Yeah, now uh, Dane, I know you had a few more things. If we get to it, we get to it after uh, Spider. Otherwise, uh, Dane, I'll I'll get yeah, those no things. Problem directly from you and and we'll get them addressed uh spider go all right real quick two things while i got you guys here one uh we had a guy mention a better way to contact unit leaders using some kind of ui in the game like to 
so guys get get these guys in units, get them trained, you know, have better access either through messaging, through offline messaging, through the system, leaderboards. That was uh, a suggestion that was pushed around, like to help get these kids in in units to get them trained to be better apt to be survivable in faction warfare. But that's that can happen. It can happen. Fine. Um, the last question I have is probably just without lightly touching on any kind of balance. I don't want to talk about balance. But I just want to know, Russ, what is your opinion on the state of basically just pop-tarting in general and how it applies to faction warfare? And that's all I got to say. Pop-tarting? Um, like, because well, I know you had messed with it with PPC. I'm just curious what your thoughts is on how it affects faction warfare. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm way out of touch. It's possible. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't view, view pop-tarting as a problem. Uh, I haven't viewed it as a problem uh, for quite a long time, probably in you guys would have to let me, I, my memory's not good enough. Uh, whenever we, you know, put the changes in like, uh, falling damage on legs and, you know, falling from height and damaging legs. And, and I'm not, you guys would, you guys could tell me better, which one was more impactful to shutting down pop tarting, but there was a number of things. There's essentially some, some reticle shake on jumping, one, two, there was leg damage when you fell from too high, and three, there was the jump jets actually have apply some level of heat, and so you know when you're jumping and shooting, you just your heat's staying up there a lot more than it was previous. So there was like kind of like three things that all came in at the same time, and pop tarting slowed way, way, way down. You still see it sometimes, that's okay, but I'm not even really sure which of the three was the most prominent in removing that. But currently, I don't view it as a problem. Um, if it's starting to rear its head, I guess let me know. But I don't, I don't really; I, it hasn't caught my attention. If it is, that's all I wanted to know. I'm just curious. Yeah, I think that the the, the pop tarting issue. I mean, there's still people that do it, I, but I think it's subjective as to whether it's a good or bad thing. Uh, plenty of people out there that are totally fine with it, and and you know, and other people with other opinions, like most topics in the game. Um, did you have any more spider? That's it. That and the again the delivery system. And I, you right. know, I, what, before I'd sign off to Russ, like I really do appreciate the fact that you've taken a serious interest in continuing to on, dynamically address balance. I know for a lot of us, it was it was it's tough, and it's with more mechs added, with maps and the spawn locations and speed. Stay diligent with it, man. I think we'll get to a point where it's fair on all sides one day, hopefully. Thank you for your input. Uh, Dane, you got a few minutes, so you want to go in order of <laughs> most important. Okay, sure. It's me again, your favorite. <laughs> Welcome um, back, Dane. <laughs> so I have a few other things that people wanted me to ask. One was VoIP in the lobby for Community Warfare, uh, just so you can communicate with people who aren't dropping with you quicker. Is that a thing that could ever be implemented uh, good question. You'll have to leave that with me, and I'll have to go talk to some people because it's been a long time since we introduced VoIP, and I'm kind of going off a rusty memory. But I think the way it works currently is, you know, the it's a Teamspeak SDK, I believe, and it doesn't create a connection, you know, until there's a dedicated server created. Because when there's a dedicated server created, it knows who the players are, and everyone's entering the match, and it can do that. So. I mean, of course, you can have it in the front end, but it would be a quite different system. I guess it would have to be, um, you know, based on members in your group or, or some other notion of like, you know, creating a 
connection between players. So I'd have to go check with the people and the technical people. I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but I think the way it works now is it waits till you're connecting to a dedicated server, and when you're connecting to a dedicated server, then it creates the channel for the teams. But, yeah, I could ask. And cool. then, okay, I appreciate it. And then the, the clan loyalists have wanted me to ask this. This is just one and a half questions. One, uh, I know you're probably... They, they're wondering about faction uh, perks or quirks for their mechs. So, like, if a clan wolf with a was running a timber wolf, there would be a a perk for it. Or just to think about at some point in the future. Um that you could only get if you were in that mech or in that faction. Um, so faction there, there, specific, so you could apply that to anything like Karita running a Jenner or whatever. Right. Yeah. They, I guess, they just want to at least put that bug in your ear about possibly looking into that. Uh, again, there's a balance issue. I realize that it probably it might not be possible. Similar and, to uh, the other faction quirk issue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really and cool. The, I, I love the thought. We just uh, have to be done really carefully and may have to only apply in faction play because quick play, yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to think about there. Be, I mean, it's really cool, though. I agree. And with the new uh, the new rollout, how that's going to play out, maybe. that Just, just something to think about. I don't know. Uh, they wanted me to bring that up. And then the one other thing they wanted to ask was uh, dealing with... Uh, factions and mercenaries, could there be a different drop deck weight for the faction loyalists than the mercenaries? So if, uh, you know, maybe the, the faction loyalists get a, a higher drop deck weight, may, weight, maybe not significantly, maybe just a little bit to make them feel a little bit better about themselves, or on the similar topic, the clan loyalists were wondering if, if they go lower in tonnage, could they get a bill bonus representing them uh, bidding down and that that's it those are all that's all i got left well i think the second idea um has a lot more potential because that's uh interesting and if a, a, a unit's really good then they they could bid down so that one i think is interesting and has more of a chance than the first one uh the problem with the first one of course is we know how our competitive players are and some of the better units are they're just going to go loyalists you know, I mean, you know, so they can get all the extra tonnage. And so what are, I mean, right now, I think you, the way you bring up that question is because most of our top units are, are mercs, as you, as you said, as we've all discussed. And so they are there for the extra flexibility, et cetera. But if you do that, it's really cool for like the first seven days. And then when all the mercenaries become loyalists, so they can get the extra 20 tons and roll people. So I think we need to have, obviously what's you're trying to do there is, is, give a tonnage advantage to the opponent that, you know, needs it, so to speak. So it probably speaks more to trying to create some kind of a system where tonnage is adjusted a little more on the fly based on the uh, the power of the, the, the team. But that's a very complex thing to do because you have a mixed match of, like, just pugs and you're trying to take all their PSR ratings and everything and generate how much tonnage they have on the fly and then getting them to try to update their drop decks but you don't do that until you have a team put together so there's no time in those few one minute or whatever to like take take advantage of you know like fluctuating tonnage so it's very difficult it's not impossible to do um the second the second one though is interesting to though it's like 
I don't know if that's just a clan thing, but I mean, obviously it'd be better if it was, I mean, I get it. it is so like really high powered clan units could kind of bid themselves down. And that would create much more competitive matches potentially. So I think that second one's an interesting concept. I mean, I'm not even thinking about the technical aspect of it right now, but that one could, that one has more promise from a, a balanced perspective. All right. I think we covered it as far as uh, the people that we're representing here tonight. Again, everybody, I want to let you know if you have a point of view that you feel is not being represented um, or just anything to say, any feedback whatsoever, please post it in the thread that I've been posting all night as well as Pale Bear has been helping there. Um, And I will post it again after I'm done speaking here. Um, Continue the conversation. It is all being monitored. It is all being uh, reviewed and, and it will be discussed. So um, be your own representative. Um, huge thank you to all of you out there in chat. We've had uh, almost 500 the whole night. Uh, we appreciate you being here on your Friday night. And speaking of that, a uh, big thank you to uh, uh, Mech the Dane, Xavier, Spider, and of course, Russ and Derek for taking their time out on a Friday night. And I know Russ is still recovering from being sick. So thank you for uh, everybody's participation. And, uh, and of course, Phil running the stream and Zoof and Katra both uh, helping out with moderation and so forth. Uh, it's been a great uh, meeting again. I'm very encouraged, as I was last time, that we're going to move forward and, and see some really positive change and uh, you know make uh, faction play super fun again. And uh, so, Russ, anything to you want to end with? Yeah, I want to thank uh, Derek for sticking around with me tonight and providing his input. Um, you know, he had some great things to say, but also he's here to make sure that all this is is you know notes are taken, nothing's missed, all your thoughts and comments, and so we can discuss them. And um, he's really going to be handling taking points on the faction play design docs and stuff. So thanks for sticking around, De- uh, Derek, and. Um, yeah, big thanks to, you know, the Dane, Xavier, Spider-X, all you guys for um, coming with all your ideas. Everyone else out there listening, thanks for playing. Appreciate your support. And, uh, you know, we're just working as hard as we can to get out these patches and get improve the game incrementally, you know, month by month. And uh, nothing's changing for the foreseeable future. We're still committed. So, yeah, thanks to everybody for playing. Yeah, and also, uh, good point, uh, B- BWS2K, do check out the new community page that just went up recently. Uh, I know Tina put a lot of work into that and effort and uh, help update it, keep us informed of the community pages that are out there. Um, and, you know, this is a community game. It's much more fun with friends. So that's a good place to start. And uh, if you haven't already, please do follow the channel. We appreciate your follows and uh, joining us for future streams. Phil's stream in most days as well as our podcasts every week and more. There will be more roundtables, more uh, town halls, more podcasts with Russ and the devs coming up. Uh, in fact, Russ, I think we're talking about doing potentially soon a, uh, a comp scene roundtable, right? Yeah, let's definitely tease that. I want to do that sometime real soon. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we've got some a really great you know, feature in the works for, for that. I'd like to you know have that and talk about it. It'd be awesome. Yeah. So we'll be doing that. We love the engagement and uh, this form of communication. It's been a lot of fun again. So happy Friday, everybody, and have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Love you, Dane.